One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello everyone, welcome back to Rule Rouge Podcast. John Bass, this this week I've uh, I've been having root canal surgery. Hmm. And I would honestly say, mate, that's been more enjoyable than Tottenham Hotspur Football Club since probably about twenty nineteen. That sort of says it all really, doesn't it? Um I um I thought it was quite funny earlier this week when we were we were talking about when I could come on and at the start of the week we were like oh look we've got something like fun to talk about we always talk about really bad stuff but actually you know we've both wanted Conte gone and he's gone so perfect and then within in typical Spurs fashion within the couple of days in between us sort of saying yeah let's do something and us recording we've now got another fucking major crisis and in between that you've had dental surgery so it's all popping off mate it's all popping off it is all popping off look see cause- that's the thing, right? It's, it's it's kind of become that meme, hasn't it? That we just talk about the miserable stuff, you know. Mm. And Conte going, really? I mean, let's let's be honest. I'm 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 not gonna I'm not gonna play devil's advocate on this. It's a good thing. The guy was a whopper. Let's be honest. You've seen all the noises and stuff coming out now. Romero wanted to leave. Richarlison wanted to leave. I know people aren't as bothered about Richarlison, but it's still not a good thing, is it? Him and Oibia were squaring up with each other or something. I don't know what it was. Something that Alistair Gold was saying. It was clearly a really bizarre environment. Um, And I am just delighted that he's gone. However, as a completely separate issue, and these things can exist completely separately, people. You know, it, it, it is possible. The club also now appears to be really, actually, in a complete and utter state, doesn't it? You know, it really does, mate. I, I said on um, on the fighting cock this week that this this whole idea that you basically you're, you're either sort of Levy in Levy's camp or not, right? Levy in or not, and if you then therefore hate Conte, you must be Levy in all this stuff. I think the most simple way to explain it is our house is completely fucked, right? It's got a million issues, but currently, or up until Conte left, there was a fire in the middle of the lounge, right, which is taking a lot of our attention and is still a major problem. So I think we're all right to be happy about putting that fire out and celebrating the fact that, thank fuck, our lounge isn't you know, going to completely burn down um, and my sofas aren't now on fire and I've got somewhere to sit. So... Once that's done, you you are still fully entitled to be able to say, well, my house is still shit and there's still a lot wrong with it and there's still loads of stuff and work that needs to be done. It doesn't absolve the rest of the house from needing fixing. I think that's where we're at. Like For me personally, I've been well aware there's loads of other issues, but the fire in the lounge is a pretty fucking big one that's causing me the, currently the most misery. Now that's gone and we've got, I don't know, like flooding in the kitchen um, in, the, in the shape of um, Paratici and everything that's going on with him, suddenly this is becoming, it is becoming sort of hard to ignore the fact that we've got all these problems in the house. And we've eventually got to, we've got to do something and look at who is responsible for it. Now, unlike the house, I'm not fucking responsible for it, right? It's not my responsibility to fix this shit. It's Daniel Levy and the board, and they are having a fucking nightmare, mate. Like, one thing after another. 
And I think like the, the overarching feeling that I've got is I, I have probably been caught up a little bit in sort of looking at the individual pieces, looking at the sort of like the manager's shit, this transfer's bad, that player needs moving on, this is a problem, season ticket prices are too high. And actually like there's there is a there is a consistent factor here, which I think is the sort of Levy Out Brigade's um main point, which is that Daniel Levy's like responsible for these things. I've always like cut a bit of slack because I think the general direction of the club's going in the right way. And I, I saw a, a tweet earlier, I think we both we both liked it, which was you know, someone saying like, Look, I'm very grateful for what he's done to get us to a point to where we can sort of get to the top table. But now we're at that top table, pretty much this is now showing that um, Daniel Levy and the board just are, are out of their depth and they don't know what they're doing. So now is, is the right time to start criticising them. And, and that's kind of being played out with all this stuff that we're seeing, not just this week, but just this season really has really come to a, come to a head for me. I'm liking a... I'm liking all your house metaphors there, John. Thanks. I did hear you on the, on the Vicog the other day <laughs> because you're getting some work done at the moment, aren't you? You're getting mugged off by a tradesman. Always, mate. Always. Basically because I know nothing. So my dad is re- literally could build a house. Like, he knows everything, right? And I'm from Pro- the generation bloke, of, like, right? proper, proper, he's a proper, proper bloke. bloke. He loves fishing. Okay. You know, he's a, pro- he's a proper big, dad. Big hands. He, big hands. He had a moustache. He used to smoke. You know, he smoked a pipe as well, like a fucking geezer. <laughs> Um, you know, that sort of bloke, very handy at darts, pool, all the sort of pub games, he was good at that sort of shit. I'm the complete opposite, right? I'm more interested in like what moisturizer I can buy, um, you know, and how you're, I can you're how I can twenty first century man, you know. Yeah, um, you know, it's sort of sexual. It's, it's oh, exactly. Good, exactly. You know? So I do not know anything and and often find myself caught in between, you know, I've I'm I would consider myself to be working class, grew up around working class people, but there's a certain type of working class geezer that I just I don't know how to act around them, and so I always just find myself just agreeing with whatever they say. So it's, it's, it's a strange mix of like guilt and sort of embarrassment. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah, this kind yeah. of because, like you say, I grew up in a fairly sort of working class background, but now you know I'd, I'd say I'm sort of firmly middle class, really, if I'm being honest. But like you say, because we had a geezer around doing the tiles the other day, and it's just, it's just you can tell he's just looking at you, thinking, "Fucking clean shirt." Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, just just detests you as I'm sat there because I was, I was, you know, I was doing my day job, editing, and all this sort of stuff, and he's just like, "Cool, that work then." You know, he's that he had that whole sort of vibe about him, and it's just like, geezer, can't leave me alone. Like, please. Well, you know? The worst thing for me, mate, is they they look at me, and I'm like, when I work from home, I'll just wear like you know hoodies and like tracksuit bottoms and stuff, and they look at me and they think, oh, he's you know, he's he's a bit of a geezer. He probably just he probably knows exactly what I'm doing. So they'll they'll ask my opinion or like say to me to look at stuff, right? <laughs> and I'm just staring at him blankly, like I don't know what the fuck any of what you just said means. We had our roof done last year, and the geezer was like, oh, do you want to come on up have a look? I was like, absolutely not. And he went, what, what do you mean? And I was do, like, do I want I'm to not going to the ladder. No. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have thought so, mate. Uh, yeah. Can't you just take a picture? And he's sort of pissing himself, literally in front of all his lads, like cracking up. And I was just like, I don't, I don't, honestly, <clears throat> I don't care how much, how pathetic you think I am. I'm not going up there. I'm not going up there. You go back Forget in it. the house and like you say, he's with all the lads, like, what a melt. Yeah, I mean, that's what they're thinking of you. It's just, yeah. you know, this, 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 this suburban paranoia, mate, it's, it's heightened, you know. I think the older you get, I suddenly I, I get to this age now where I'm like, I, I, I get it. I get why like people keep up with the Joneses. I really do. You know, it just yeah. this stuff just engulfs you. Can you tell I don't want to talk about Tottenham, John? <laughs> but weirdly, I was going to say we could we could pull this back, which is that. Do you think this is what the the Spurs fan base at large? We have the issue with with Daniel Levy as, as this sort of 
uh, charismatic builder who just we just go along with whatever he says, and even though we know he's mugging us off, we can't as a family unit we can't pull together enough to decide to k- kick him out and get someone else in because you know I think I, I haven't spoke to anyone about Spurs in the last year or certainly this season who doesn't want Levy out the door. Now I'm one of the people that sort of realizes that. It's not like any other position in the club. You can't just go, oh, let's just sack him. Like, it doesn't work like that. He has to sack himself, essentially, yeah. and decide to move on. So it's a very unique situation. Right? And that's not happening. But there is a whole swathe of people, and mainly it's on Twitter, saying, well, we need to form, we need to come together and create a voice. Now, I, I agree with that. I think like that's realistically is the only way is to essentially put pressure from like fan action. The problem that I think we've got, and we're a unique club in many ways, but problem I think we've got is we're just we're not built like that. We are very much the the John Bass in the builder scenario. We don't really want to talk about it. We're essentially working class people that follow the club that have become middle class and now don't know how to talk to builders. That's where we're at because no one wants to actually fucking protest. No one's actually outside. We're, you know, when I come up and the builder's been showing me shit he's been doing, I'm slagging him off up here privately on my own. But I'm not, and I'm slagging him off on podcasts apparently. But I'm not saying it to his face, am I? And this is where I think we're at. We're not. We are not really mobilising as a fan base on mass and demanding a change. Everyone is feeling it. Everyone is. Everyone's secretly going, "Oh fuck him!" I wish he would go. But until you start getting thousands of people protesting, people not buying their season tickets, people walking out of games, if you know, if you don't want to lose your season ticket, I get that. Like, I completely empathise with that. But we could do mass walkouts, right? So you still you're not going to lose your seat, but you don't go to the games. We're not doing that. We're not we're not doing anything. We're just we're moaning about it privately and not doing anything. And I'm not doing anything, so this is no shade. But until we do that, mate, I I don't see how this really changes. This ties in massively. You know, one of the things that's so bleak and so kind of just, I guess, hopeless, at least the feeling with regard to Spurs at the moment, in my opinion, is I think there's so many parallels in just in life, in, in modern day society in Britain, at least. Um, you know, we've, we, we're having all of our energy prices rocketed up. We're seeing all of those energy companies turning record profits. And yet we're still being told, oh, no, 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 you have to, you know, this has to happen. We've been told yeah. that kind of, the inflation rate is actually going to be really good for the economy. But then at the same time, the same person from the, the head of the Bank of England is saying, oh, no, it's actually really bad for the economy. You know, all these kind of these mixed messages. And to go to go kind of deep on it, Adam Curtis, mm. brilliant, you know, for anybody who doesn't know, brilliant sort of documentary political, I guess, theorist. Um he makes lots of these. It was it was like a big inspiration for like Spurs Wipe I made a couple of years ago. He makes like documentaries without actually filming anything. He stitches together all these different pieces. Like B roll and stuff. Yeah, yeah, that he digs out from the BBC archives. But he was on um, one of the I can't I can't remember. He was on a podcast this week, um, and he was talking about kind of like some of the parallels in kind of the fall of the Soviet Empire. And the the fall of the the British Empire really, and the tale of it, and the problems it caused further down the line that people can only really see in sort of retrospect, and that we might be kind of you know that we're really suffering now in the sort of death throes of the empire, Brexit, the little England uh, type mentality, and all this sort of thing. But the problem is, and it, you know, I, I guess Fight Club they spoke about this type of thing not too long ago, but. Everybody really now, it feels as though it's just is 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 wrapped up in this sense of like individualism, and you see this manifest in 
in in Twitter, right? I I said something the the other day about just yesterday after the kind of Peretici statement went out, that joke of a statement went out from the club. We didn't, we had no idea there was anything going on. It's embarrassing, like, it's fucking embarrassing. Yeah. Embarrassing, right? And I said something like, this is it, right? Because like you, I've been on the fence for a long time about Daniel Levy. If we're going on the house metaphor, he's built as a lovely house. We're comfortable in it. But now he just like, you know, whatever he keeps shitting in the garden, you know? And we're like, why is he doing that? There's, there's, there's two lovely toilets here. Come on, you know? But he, 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 he doesn't want to listen to reason. And so I, I tweeted something like, you know, I think this now, right, this is time for Levy now, isn't it? Like, it, it's done. This, this is done. There's no point. He built a stadium. He turned Tottenham from a multi-million pound company to a multi-billion pound company. Well yeah. done. We've given him his flowers for that. But this now is a joke. Like, the club is from 2019 onwards now has been just dragged through the mud like it's been embarrassing a constant embarrassment for the for the football club and that got met with as you'd imagine oh you're finally fucking coming around to it are you oh the fucking deluded one you finally blah 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 <laughs> what the fuck have any of you lot done though right yeah. you sit on twitter and you posture and you act like you're actually in some way doing something but you're doing fuck all. You're absolutely doing nothing. About fucking... And I've sort of stayed away from taking the piss out of this lot. Because, you know, the the 10-odd people who do show up, fair enough to them. Like, yeah, I, maybe I don't agree with their entire message. I don't agree with everything that they're saying. But at least they're getting off their asses and they're doing something. The people that go to the training ground, again, not for me. But... If if they if they feel that strongly about it and they're getting off their asses and they're doing something about it, fine. But there is what? Let's be honest. There's ten or twenty people doing that sort of thing, right? You've got hundreds and th- probably thousands of accounts all over Twitter with Enoch out hashtags in their fucking bios. They put out pictures, proper anti-Semitic pictures of Daniel Levy and stuff like this, right? All this they create all this noise. They come for people like Spooky. Fucking Flav gets it in the neck all the time, but they do absolutely nothing, and nobody does anything about anything because nobody can be asked. Really, yeah. ultimately, it's easier you can get the instant validation from sitting there and shouting about something and pretending that your voice means something that you just saying a thing matters, but it doesn't. If people want to see a chat, I mean, to be honest, it's not about what we do or don't want. The, the cold hard facts of the matter are Enoch, Daniel Levy, Joe Lewis own the club, right? Yeah. You, you, you might have a neighbour who's got an Aston Martin and you think he drives it like shit and it really upsets... If you're a car enthusiast and it really winds you up and you see him driving along at, you know, at 20 miles an hour and he can't really fucking turn corners nicely in it and you're just like, that's, a, that's an insult to, to this prestigious car brand. I want him to get rid of it. You're not going to be able to, are you? Do you know what I mean? And it's, it's it's the same thing here. We can hit them in the pocket by not going to games, but then we come back to that age-old argument of we go to this thing to escape from the cost of living crisis, the energy bills, the corporate greed, the corrupt politicians. You know, this is supposed to be our escape from all that, but it's thrust in our faces. So I guess my, my long-winded point of this now is, was one of the points that Adam Curtis makes at the end of this whole thing is, we're arriving at a real sort of clutch point in sort of society now where we need to find solutions 
where people can work as a collective properly again because we seem to have lost all sense of kind of collective power everything is we we absorb everything we introspect completely as an individual and we always say i can't do anything like i can't but what there needs to be is there needs to be somebody and it ain't fucking me but there needs to be somebody that can tangibly lead from the front and get some kind of mobilized strategy in place but then again what are you going to do you're not going to be able to force people not to go to to Tottenham games right and we probably are what this summer will bring in Nagelsmann or we'll bring in Pochettino and myself included we'll all be happy again for a bit but then we'll be back in this place but it, <laughs> you know it just feels like there has, there has to be something now something has to change right because this is we, we've essentially got a criminal <laughs> like in in Paratici as one of the figureheads of our club How how is this happening you know yeah. It, so first of all, one Adam Curtis absolutely love everything he makes. Uh, also, there's a Twitter account which is just Adam Curtis B-roll archive, which is just uh, I think it's a random Twitter account where people find like random um, B-roll video that they, th- that they think would fit perfectly for his documentaries, and it's just uh, reams and reams of clips of his videos, and it's really funny. It made me laugh a lot. Um, yeah. So two with with this whole um, society thing, I think that's a really good point in the sense that as a society, right, we've social media is a great example social media is just about what you're doing the pictures you're taking your opinion as an individual right we we sort of align each other with the familiar interest for example but it's all about what you're doing in your opinion so people get a lot of gratification for essentially being proved right they're not actually bothered about the outcome like with the Conte thing you know, I had loads of people go, oh, you must be really happy. I'm like, no, I'm really annoyed I was right. I didn't want to be right. I wanted no, him to be exactly. amazing. I'm I'm upset that it didn't I, I work want out. I to win the league. <laughs> I want us to be the best team we can possibly be and win everything and play amazing football. I want it all. So when, when I say, like, oh, I don't think this is going to happen with this manager, it's not because I want that to happen. It's because that that's just my, like, like honest true opinion at that point in time but we've all become like sort of conditioned as a society to like just look at our, look after yourselves and basically look after number one and if I think about like from a from a Spurs and, and a fan action point of view I do think that's got something to do with it and I, I would love to see and there must be like a, a unique study of particularly in like football football clubs I'm sure other sports um you could do the same thing but the nature of any other business in like a in a free market capitalist society where essentially if people don't like your product they won't buy it and it won't work right that that's it so if you're i don't know you're coca-cola and then your chief executive turns out to be the biggest pedophile in the world they can go out of business because people can go well i'm not buying i'm not going to support a brand that has that attached to it right and eventually that they will whittle away to nothing because there is no market for that the football club thing is crazy because no matter what happens we can't leave and we won't leave we just won't we will never leave it doesn't matter if Paratici is a criminal because he's not the club we see the club rightly as an institution you hear all the time the club's not you it's us we're the fans we're the club so you can't leave there is no choice you are a customer forever right and they see us as customers and we are customers we pay in to be part of something but the difference is if i think oh i don't agree with the way spurs are going to do it i'll go and support newcastle i can't because that's just not a thing in football culture and it just doesn't happen and yeah you might get the odd person who you know a little kid who switches allegiance but it just it doesn't happen on mass right people are committed to the club forever no matter what the club does they won't stop supporting them and 
again, we heard before about the World Cup in Qatar, right? And I think a lot of people were justified. And like, I don't agree with this. I don't agree with where, where it is and the country's morals. They haven't stopped following football, have they? They haven't stopped watching international football. They haven't stopped watching the game. They might stop watching that World Cup, but the next World Cup, which is created by the same organisers in FIFA, they're going to watch that. So just because it's not in the same country, none of it really makes sense if if we really want to move things forward. And we are all stuck in this sense of like loyalty to our football club, which means they and football owners and the football community at large and the money men in the business they know that none of this is by mistake right they, they they do some stupid football decisions but when it comes to making money they're not stupid which is why this idea of oh i can't believe prices are going up potentially in a cost of living crisis yeah they will go up they'll go up more that this is not the it's never the end they will always go up if you look at any any business where they have a monopoly the price keeps going up coca-cola is the biggest drinks brand in the world pretty much right the price goes up price goes up every year because it ha- of course it will because people love it it's the it's the most popular and with spurs they essentially have a monopoly of one for every spurs fan so of course the price goes up and it doesn't they don't give a shit if it's a cost of living crisis because they know fundamentally fans will pay it and i agree with you the people that are outside whether it's five people or 50 people or five thousand people People who actually make the effort to go and do things and stand outside of the club and actually like make their voices heard. That's the only way this changes because it becomes reputational damage, which damages the brand, which affects the price. And that's the only thing they give a shit about. Because even I was saying about you know walking out on match days, it's not going to make a big enough dent in in their pockets to give a shit. But what it would do is it would put the focus cameras on well, why are Spurs fans walking out? What's the what's wrong with this brand for us to be able to purchase this? So I think all these things come down to like it's great if you've got an opinion, voice it, right? That's what Twitter is for and all these other social medias for. But I think it's harsh to have a go at people who are trying to like physically make a difference. And also just standing on the sidelines shouting at people who are also doing nothing but just have a different opinion is such a waste of air. And I, I think that's true of not just football. I've given up trying to convince people of my opinion if I'm not prepared to go and do something about my opinion. Mm-hmm. And I, I wish people would just take that view a bit more. Like, are you doing the opposite? Like with politics, right? Everyone hates the Tories. No one's doing anything about it. No one's joining the Labour Party and trying to change the way they're doing things and, and make them better and make them a viable opposition. Everyone's just slagging off the Tories. That's fucking useless. It's as useless as slacking off Daniel Levy and doing nothing about it. So either get involved or shut the fuck up. That's my opinion. So what I'm taking from this, John, is that you're a Tory and you're feeling really triggered by everyone making fun of Tories, right? No, come on, mate. You you know me. I am fully Brexit party, mate. <laughs> you're doing nothing to help this this stereotype that Flav keeps perpetuating. Mate. I know. Like, it's yeah. just too it's too much fun, though, yeah. isn't it? It's too obvious. I mean, I compared myself to Nigel Farage on the episode the other day. So it's, you know, it's all going off. I might as well just lean into it at this point, mate. You know, why I mean, not? one would might still say, maybe don't, John. You know what I mean? But <laughs> True. Just, you, just to be clear, I, have, I haven't voted for, well, I, I always vote. I always just put none of the above. I basically believe that all the parties are trash and actually it's pointless to vote for the same reasons. It's an illusion. I think Curtis talks about this as well. It's an illusion of choice. Yeah. It's an illusion of choice. Two-party system is berserk, and nothing changes. Hence, nothing changes. This is a cheery one, isn't it, mate? Lovely, isn't it? <laughs> I'm going to book myself in for the dentist just to cheer myself up. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, that's, that's, that's not even a fucking illusion of choice. That's no choice. I just went in for a routine thing. Do you know, all right, I'm 38 years old. 
Never in my life have I had a filling. Not not a single filling. I've sort of always like prided myself on the fact that I'm a bit kind of. It sounds a bit weird to say I'm anal about my mouth, but I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm you know what I mean? Anal about oral, yeah. basically. <laughs> I'm anal about my tea. Always have been. And then I went in for a routine checkup and he was like, oh, you've actually got some signs of tooth decay there. Don't, you know, don't worry, it happens to us all eventually. So, you know, you've had a good innings. Well, look at good innings. My teeth have had a good innings, shall we say. <laughs> my front right premolar, premolar two. Um, and there's a little, you could see a little dull kind of grey bit on the x-ray. And he was like, not to worry. Simple little filling. Fine. You know, that'd be okay. I'm not that bothered. I know a lot of people are very anxious about the dentist. I don't really mind it. Stuck the kind of anesthetic in. Does the filling. All good. About two weeks later from that, throbbing. Like, for, the tooth wasn't oh, hurting before he did the filling. Throbbing. And I just I sort of popped in. Oh, can you just have a look at it? And he was like, yep, yep. Okay, you need root canal surgery. Just <laughs> pop, pop your legs up on the thing. Do you know, it was like 8 a.m. on a Tuesday. Oh, I just told work, oh, I've just got to go for a quick sort of dental checkup. So, and then I'm like, uh, lads, I'm not, I'm not going to be in until about lunchtime because I'm having my fucking mouth chopped open. But wasn't that bad, you know? I think if you're anybody that is anxious about the dentist or anything, I, I didn't find it that bad, you know? The worst bit was just half my face being kind of limp for the rest of the day, which... You know, was funny. So we were supposed to be recording on that day as well, John, but I could I could barely even talk. So yeah, yeah. I mean, and in and in hindsight, it's given us even more uh, joy. Obviously, now waiting to hear about Paratici. Of course. Do, do you, can I ask you a question, mate? Do you, do you think this? Bearing in mind, we we both wanted Conte gone, right? Mm. We've seen Paratici's shortlist, and mm. I think we've we've discussed either on here or sort of privately. It's not an ideal list, right? The likes of Luis Enrique and all these people. We've been linked to Nagelsmann, which seems a bit more exciting, but no word of Poch. So it seems to me like it's quite scattergun, bearing in mind like Luis Enrique and Nagelsmann are very different in terms of how they play football. Um, we've had the sort of Conte and Jose experiments not really worked. We've now seen like Paratici might have a worldwide ban. Like, really, where, are you worried that there is literally just no strategy? Was the strategy just get Paratici and then hope for the best and now he's gone? What are we doing? Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Well, this this is all part of it. This is one of the main things that I have started to... It, that really has started to erode my faith in kind of Levy and the board to be able to actually operate this football club at the level we're at now. Like we're saying, it was Adam Nathan's tweet. And it's something That's it, yeah. spoken about on here before about the fact that, you know, they're, they're, an, they're an amazing investment company, Nick. You know, they buy properties make them profitable, flip them, 
kind of thing. And that's what they've done with with a plum at Tottenham Hotspur. Yeah. But now we're here. It's like, but now they're sort of having to run the day to day, whatever of a, of an elite football club, having them compete at an elite level. And you can just see they're just coming up short. This this sense that like, you know, we talk about because I, I do understand it, right? I do understand people. You know, I see some people, and it's not even people who are like particularly like Levy in. Just people who maybe don't like the idea of people complaining about season ticket rises. <clears throat> the 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 line is always, you know, well things just get more expensive. If you don't like it, don't pay for it, kind of thing. But that doesn't entirely ring true for me. Um, just in the sense that we already have like the most expensive ticket prices in the country. We're putting them up even further, yet we don't follow the best football team in the country. <laughs> yeah, not, exactly. not, not even close to being the best football team in the country. So in a purely economic sense, supply and demand and such, that doesn't, that's, it doesn't make sense. Well, I guess in supply and demand, they would argue that if people are still buying them, then yeah, that, that, that does make fine sense. But will people still be buying those tickets if... You know, we we bring in another manager. We bring we bring in another Luis Enrique next year, and because nobody in the club has thought that, well, he's had his best days already. You know, he won the he won a historic yeah. treble with Barcelona. Where let's not forget he had MSN. But I don't want to completely take it away from him. We know what it is like to manage big players, big egos. That does take a certain type of talent, right? I don't fully buy the idea that you know. Pep Guardiola is only good because he's had big players at big clubs. No, it, it takes a certain type of manager, a certain type of personality to be able to manage in those situations. So Luis Enrico, maybe, yeah, maybe he has that. Zinedine Zidane, another name that we're seeing. Luke. I'm just kind of like... So if, if we go through another 18 months and we're sat back here again in 18 months because Enrico or Zidane didn't win anything... They've had an explosive press conference where they've said X, Y, Z. I wasn't given the players. Basically, a, a mirror image of what happened at the tail end of Pochettino, what happened with Mourinho, what happened with Conte. We've just got a continuation of that, right? You are going to be thinking, like, why would you not think, after you've seen this happen several times now, that you can do this again and get yeah. different results? You know, the, that, the old adage about doing something at the same time, expecting different results, being insanity or whatever. It, it, it just feels that way, right? It, it feels that way that we are just shooting around in the dark, in, it, it, looking for like just a big, a big manager, a big name to appease, to not even appease the fans, to not appease the players, to probably, honestly, just appease stakeholders, to appease big sponsors. Who are going to be saying, uh, why have you hired this random, bold PSV manager from the Eredivisie when Luis Enrique, treble winner, was sat there? Because it's, it feels like it's it's the whole like modus operandi of the club now. That's a bit David Brent, isn't it? Um, <laughs> <laughs> is, uh, is trying to appeal to non-football people. It's yeah. it's it, it's it's the way in which you know, we've all been in those work presentations, right? When you know you know the meat and bones of a subject matter that the suits are talking about, but what the suits want is because they don't understand what you do on a day to day basis, and the people that they're speaking to, the angel investors or whoever that they want to get the money from, 
don't understand what you do on a day-to-day basis. So all that they say in suit language is, look at all these overheads, look at these big numbers, here's some waffle waffle language that basically says all these things that we've done are really, really good because reasons. Whereas everybody that actually works on the front line in all of these kind of projects and stuff is sat there being like, Jesus Christ, are you watching the big boss person deliver this speech? What a load of horse shit. But this lot are lapping it up. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And it, it feels like that's what the club... like. It feels like the club now is just this hellish vision of just 21st century kind of like... And I'm, I don't want to get too political, but football is an, is an inherently now capitalist pursuit. I understand this. I'm not expecting to you know i'm not expecting to like have some kind of democratic socialist approach to the premier league i appreciate that's not happening at any point we kind of make our peace with that but it feels like we are just a hyper inflated version of that it feels like it just feels like there's so many i just can't shake this idea the amount of parallels there are between spurs and britain where we just continue to say stuff but don't fucking do anything there's no faith in in anybody to actually do anything because we just see it consistently fail we just see the people in charge of all of it just continue to say things that aren't true and operate in a way that just is completely at odds with the good of the club or the country and it's it's just so hard to reconcile now and it's so hard to see a way out of it and don't get me wrong, it feels very acute right now, and I get that, and that's why, you know, this can all change very quickly. Next year, maybe we will, let's say, let's say not even Pochettino, say we appoint Nagelsmann, right? We appoint Nagelsmann, he says all the right things, he's young, he's dynamic, he's fresh, right? We get one last season out of Harry Kane, who wants to play his fucking heart out for Julian Nagelsmann. We hire, yeah. We sign a couple of other decent players. We get a new goalkeeper. We freshen things up a bit, right? Suddenly the squad looks a bit different. We've got Udoji in there. We've got Pedro Porro like on a whole season now. We've got a new centre back. We've got a new goalkeeper. We're going to have kind of Basuma being played now because a new manager's here. Do you know what I mean? There's a, there's a lot of things where suddenly we could be looking at the team next year and being like, fucking hell, this is a completely different team. It's exciting again. There's more use. There's more youthful energy here. There's less players who have tasted that bitter defeat that we've had hanging over us for quite a while now. Things are all going to be good. But the problem is that that I can't unthink now. The thing that the, the problem, the fundamental problem with the club now is, I can't. I don't have any faith in the club, in Enoch, in Daniel Levy, to say Julian Nagelsmann in this envisioned scenario, this Chat GPT written season <laughs> of next year, has gotten us third place in the league. We've made a good stab. We've, we we were in the title race for a little bit, but we fell away. City pulled away. Liverpool or United did as well but we end up finishing third and we're thinking we've got a good young team here but Kane's off right unfortunately so we need to spend real money in replacing him and then we probably need one Ericsson type player and then I really believe the year after that Julian Nogsman he's, he's got us firing now we could go and win the Premier League we could do it next year if we really just at this point in time push the button and just make it happen but we know that won't happen that's the problem now. That's the thing. That's the earworm. And that's that. It's not even just. It's not. It's not something that we're just kind of thinking. We're not. We're not just saying this just as a as a stick to kind of beat the club with, to beat Levy with. They have so much form for this. 
We know what happens. We know that Harry Kane goes, and we'll either what we'll either do is we'll try and sign somebody that like Real Madrid don't want to play anymore. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Something like that. So spend 20, 30 mil on basically another Soldado type thing. Or we just will be like, well, we, we lost him on a free transfer. So there's there's no extra money there to replace him. We just have to kind of go with the flow. We bought you Richarlison a couple of years ago. So maybe play him instead. You know, it, 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 it just feels like it will be that. And we're just going to basically go... From tenure to tenure to tenure, that as long as we're kind of in and around the top four conversation, we'll we'll be okay. As soon as it looks like we're maybe falling out of that, that's you've noticed. That's when the club react. The club always react, though. That's the thing. They always react. It's never it's never proactive. Never ever yeah. ever. They never think. We and this is the thing consistently. And I've I've said it on here before, but the messaging still is never. This is up. This is what we're looking. Five years ahead, we want to go there, bang, and we want to win the league. And this is how we're going to do it. It's now we're just this kind of poundland Chelsea that are just going from manager to manager to manager to manager, just in this lottery type sense of hoping that things that sooner or later throw enough shit at a wall, some of it will stick. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, mate, one hundred percent. And this to me is is sort of the most frustrating thing, but also the thing that gives me the most hope is that. I think it's actually quite simple to to get back on a better course that we can do within our means that would actually be more successful for the club, weirdly. So, like, people talk about, we just need to spend, like, fuck loads of money. I'm like, I don't, I don't necessarily think that just spending more money necessarily solves the problem that we've got because, you know, we spent a lot of money this summer, but we've still got those players. We're not actually getting players out the door and turning over the squad in the same way that we we need to. So I don't think it's just as simple as like, right, we just need to spend an un, like unlimited amount. I mean, yeah. obviously that that would help, but we know that's not going to happen. So if we ignore the scenarios that, oh, we get bought by someone and then we spend a bazillion pounds on players. Let's just assume we have Levy for this five-year project, right? And we saw under Conte, he gave him, what, the best part of 100, I think, 150 mil, something like that. So let's say that's the budget. You can have 150 million every summer, and whatever you sell, players-wise, you can also reinvest that into the squad. Now, I don't think, given today's market, that the rest of Europe is fucking broke and do not have any money, that that's... Like not workable for a club with aspirations to do something. I really, I, f- I feel like if you were smart and you had smart acquisitions, that 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 is suitable. I'm not saying it's like guaranteeing you anything, but there is no guarantees in football. We've seen other clubs. I mean, United for years have been spending absolute fuck tons of cash, and really they haven't got that much to show for it in comparison to what they've spent. Right? They've won more than us, sure, but in comparison to what they've spent, they've not really been challenging for the league in that time. So I feel like if you just had a direction, and and again, I've spoken on this a few times, but if you look at other clubs whose recruitment is just is smart, it's not about spending the most money, but you know, if I look across Europe and I look at the likes of, say, like Borussia Dortmund or Brighton in the UK and these other teams who find these younger players or have players coming through their academy and they manage to lure them away and get them young and like progress them, why aren't Spurs that for the UK? Like, why aren't we one of the, we were the top for a while teams? Though, right? That's we how were. we got to where we are now. This is exactly because I, 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 I want to I throw this one to you, mate. Because a mate of mine, Jack, he's been on the pod before. He's not a Spurs fan. He's he's one of those weirdos that like doesn't really have a club, um, <laughs> but loves football. Um, and he, uh, well, he's, he's he's in the Premier League anyway. Um, 
Look, he, 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 his sort of thing was like, you know, I think you lot big up Levy and that too much. You're, you're, a, you're a club in London with a bit of history. You should be kind of where you are now. And my point to him was like, well, you know, look at kind of West Ham. They're not doing yeah. it. So there's, there's some sort of back and forth there. But we kind of landed on this point in a way, really, that like we kind of, there's some truth to it and there's some not. Because you would imagine, like, look at everything that Brighton do. They're a brilliant club. But let's be honest. Let's be completely real. They're never even going to be the size of us now. They won't no. be. And that's probably because we are in London, you know? Yeah. And so I, Brighton almost do remind me of that sort of early era of Levy. The early era of Levy, when he was pretty dynamic. He was he yeah. was daring. He was brave, you know? We assembled a great team. We had a great kind of structure. Hiring your Huddlestons, your Aaron Lennons. Do, do you know what I mean? Building Luka Modric. We went in and yeah. got Luka Modric ahead of everyone else. Luka Modric, probably the best midfielder ever, you know? Like, yeah. we scouted him. We got him in early, ahead of everyone else. Deli Alley. You know, it, it, this sort of dynamic approach we had to kind of gathering young talent. And one might argue, okay, we've done that with, with Spence, we've done that with Adogi again, and we've had the wrong manager in place. So maybe we are trying to revert back to that. But the problem is now we're at a level, and this, this is what I sort of come back to, mate. We're at a level now where that isn't enough. That's a great start. But once we've built the team to that point, you still need to push the button. You need to find that middle ground like, and I fucking hate to say it, and I hate to keep talking about them, but like those fucking shitbags up the road have done, whereby they've made a lot of smart signings, but they've also known when to push the button. Get Gabriel sure. Jesus in. Get in Aaron Ramsdale, who I still, I think he's a wobbly keeper, but they needed a keeper. They spent the money on him when they needed to. Do you know what I mean? Like, they, they, they're still doing that. It, you know, they could, if it was us, they, we would have still been playing like Emil Smith row up front. But they realised, we love him, he's a good young player, but he's not quite there. Let's spend the money on Odegaard. You know? And that's that's the, the disconnect that Levy, that Levy, I feel, has still had with the club. It's still trying to get a tune out of these lads. You know? Yeah, 100%. And that's why I think this this idea of it's not just about who we're buying. It's about who we're keeping and putting like value on how much Levy, who is not really a, a football man in that sense thinks that players are worth because otherwise they would be gone well there's no way that we've got like players in the squad who've been there for way too long that we want to turn over that we just haven't been able to get rid of like I don't understand how we've still got Sanchez in the team like he, he every summer we get to and everyone's like well he's got to go hasn't he because he's not he's not up to scratch it's not that you know everyone hates his guts I mean it's going that way now but it's just not he's just not up to it he's not good enough right and we know we overspent on him we spent well, he's like 40 million wasn't he he was a shitload you're never getting that back. It's never going to happen. He's never going to have one season where suddenly he goes, oh, do you know what? Actually, yeah, I'll pay you 50 for him. That's not happening. But I think in Levy's mind, he's like, well, I paid 40. So until someone offers me over that, he can't go. But this, you're just you're just throwing like good money away, chasing this idea that these players will keep their value. Like we, And again, we've seen which way that's gone. But like Delhi, like Dyer before, we've had big bids for them and we turned them down. I think there are mitigating reasons why earlier when we were sort of in the Poch project you want to turn those down right you want to keep those players and, and there would have been arguments for like oh typical just as we get going we sell our best players right hindsight's a wonderful thing but I just feel like that's part of the issue because again he's got too much control over what happens the only way this moves forward is that we genuinely have a director of football who is literally given the keys it's like here's the budget 
I don't care what you do with it. And I'm genuinely just not getting involved in this. Now, I don't think that will happen because Levy's just not that way. But that is the only way that this moves forward with Levy staying in charge of the club, where he writes a, a cheque for £150 million and says to the director of football, anything you can get from player sales, except for you know these players for commercial reasons, you can do what you want. Because that's the only way we move forward. Because I, I agree, mate. I think like what got us to this point won't necessarily take us forward. But it's what got us to this point plus £150 million, which we weren't spending previously. And maybe that's just three £50 million players every summer. And the rest is the rest are youth players or younger players from other clubs that you, that you buy from the money you make from selling squad players who just aren't cutting it. And maybe you take a hit on them. But you're still talking about significant figures, right? If, if you get rid of Davison Sanchez for £10 million, Still, ten million to spend on a player from the championship who you think is promising, and this is this is the thing that I think we have to start looking at is, unless you're going to spend the money of the Chelsea's, uh, Liverpool's, United's, Cities, etc. Unless you're going to spend the money, stop pretending to be that type of club. Stop yeah. manifesting as we're this super club with this amazing. Yes, we've got the infrastructure, but you're not spending the money on the playing side to to warrant that. So it's sort of irrelevant which manager comes in. Um, because they're going to hit the same stumbling blocks. Unless you get a manager who buys into this vision of creating a youthful, exciting squad for a set amount of money each summer um, and being innovative and getting the most out of those players. And there are managers available, we had one previously in Poch, that will do that. And if you get that right mix together, we can still achieve great things. I still believe that we can win major trophies without spending the most amount of money in the league. I think it's possible, and I think Arsenal will demonstrate that potentially this season. So why why do we get fixated on this idea of the only way we can do better? Again, this is, comes back to this binary thing. The only way Spurs can do better is if we just get bought by some oil state. But we could be doing better. We should demand better from what we have now. We have enough to be better than we currently are available to us today. So um, I don't necessarily want to sell the soul of the club to guarantee, and again, not even a guarantee, to try and guarantee a chance of winning trophies when I think if we just were fucking smarter about what we've got now, we do have the infrastructure to do it. We just we just do it in such a bad way that we're not giving ourselves the best chance. Do you, uh, do you think sometimes, Jim, as a fan base, as just whatever, people in general with regard to football, do you think sometimes we look into this stuff too much? Do you think we're too wrapped up in constant football content that we kind of, we wind ourselves up when the the sort of bare bones truth of the fact is football is, there's a lot about planning, there's a slice of luck in there as well and it's just, it's hard. It's tough to win sort of anything that's why people enjoy it and that's why so few clubs really win anything that really it's not worth winding ourselves up about this that we should just basically try and enjoy what we can and then try and switch off to all the sort of noise outside of it because I'm sure there's been other times in the club's past right what was it Irving Scholar and all that stuff before a bit before my time when there was similar sort of ownership issues and things like that there used to be a club over there but I'm sure people didn't get as wound up about it as they kind of do now. It wasn't as all-consuming, right? Because we weren't just sort of battered with information beamed straight into our eyeballs 20, 24-7, or at least probably about 18-7 <laughs> for most people. Do you think we do we need to try and find, like, just on an individual level? Because I see a lot of people talking about, like, 
I just feel hopeless. I just don't enjoy. I don't enjoy football anymore. I can't be excited about Spurs. I think there's a part of you where you just need to sort of just think, just watch the matches, try and get what you can from that, and realise that you don't have power over everything. Yeah, one hundred percent. I um, I sort of have a, a mantra that I try to live by, and it doesn't always work. Again, I get stressed the same as everyone else, but I only basically it's a a philosopher called Epictetus, which always makes me laugh because it's got the word tit in the middle of his name. Um, <laughs> Epictetus is like a like stoicism is is his thing, and he has this like um, quote, which is, "There's only two things in a world of stuff you can't control. Basically, there's only two things you any individual can control: their own thoughts and their own actions." Right. So, like, on a simple example is like, "It's raining outside." You could just think to yourself, oh, it's raining, how sad, I can't do things I want, I'll just stay in, right? So you've thought negatively and you've you've done nothing as a result of it. Or you could just go, well, my plants are going to like get some much-needed rain and I could just put on a fucking raincoat and go for a walk in the rain. It's not the end of the world. And when I come home, it'll be nice and cosy when I get back into my warm house. It's the same kind of principle with this. I get stressed and then I just remember what really this is just down to me like i my life is fine touch wood i'm i'm healthy everything's okay it's a football club that is a supposed to be a, like an outlet for the sport that i enjoy but it is just a sport it's just like a an an entertainment part of my life now it's a really important entertainment part of my life something that i'm passionate about but i am sort of in control of of how i feel about the club i can choose to feel happy or sad about it right like we can <clears throat> you and I can like laugh and joke about Spurs so we can choose to find comedy at the same time as being frustrated right we can choose those things and so I do think in a lot of stuff in society now you sort of you have to be like really passionate to the point where you are stressed and you're hopeless and if Spurs went under tomorrow right and there was never ever Spurs again you might be sad for a month a year two years but eventually you wouldn't give a shit <laughs> You wouldn't, because you'd just be like, oh, okay, well, that's that's a part of my life that's gone. In the same way as, you know, people lose loved ones, actual family members they treasure and love. They move, they, they carry on living. They exist. They still find joy in their day-to-day life. But yet, when the football club's just going through a bit of a shit state, and there are way more football clubs. I've got fr- friends who are Luton Town fans who were basically decimated by um, points deductions and fines and relegated to out of you know, professional leagues into fucking non-league, they still followed their club and they were happy and they just got on with it and now they're doing well and they might even get into the Premier League by the end of this season. It's it's all just a cycle. It'll all just pass. And I think, yeah, I think people definitely, and I, I definitely include myself in this, we can get carried away and sometimes forget, it's just football. <laughs> it is just football. It's just a hobby. We could have easily grown up and been rugby fans or not liked sport at all and just been interested in other stuff like it's just it's not that deep and as long as you get the joy out of it extract the joy and the good times out of it and try to limit your stress and frustration about it and just remember you can't do anything to control it you're not Daniel Levy you you really can't do anything to change directly all the things you're frustrated about so either get involved and take ownership of those actions like start to take some fan action and, and lead those groups or push that agenda and physically get up and do something that's your action or don't and if you're not going to do it don't worry about it let's end on something just a bit you know it's just because it's been i've I've actually i've loved doing i'm going to say this john because i I normally save this stuff like for off air and maybe i just maybe i just need to be more sincere in person i've loved this discussion today i've really enjoyed this it's been deep 
You know, it's been it's been a lot of meat to sink into. Um, I do like um, deep meat, Jack, at yeah, all times. Well, you know, as you know. Well, this isn't the fighting cock, John. Come on, we're not we're not in the gutter here, mate. You, you have to you have to try harder than that. It's uh, <laughs> another one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll ignore that for the sake of levity. <laughs> Julian Nagelsmann. Yes. What what do you make of him, mate? What do what do you what do you think about this? Pros and cons. So pros definitely uh, is football is mad. If you've like, uh, not that I'm like a sort of a footballing expert on different styles of play, but it's. And when I say mad, I mean in a brilliant way. It's attacking. Like the whole team's like his whole setup and everywhere he's been is like we're just going to crush the opponent. It is literally like let's just score more goals than they than they score against us, which is what I want to see. Going back to kind of emotions in football, that's what I, that's why I go. I, I want to see goals. I want to see action and fun and flair. And that definitely is what what he brings. I think that's exciting. I think uh, this sounds like a con, but I think it's a pro. His um, the way it ended at Munich, I think, leaves a little bit of one probably humbled him a little bit, or will humble him a little bit when he reflects on it, because he definitely made some mistakes there. But I think, given his age and what he's done already, I think actually Spurs are like the perfect opportunity for him to go. Okay, cool. I need to really prove to myself and to other people that I can like do this with big names and make no mistake about it we have big name footballers at our football club but also there's a club that's underachieving and could be doing so much more and I could be the one to to be to take us there rather than the likes of Conte and Jose that go if it doesn't work out I'm still Jose Mourinho I'm still Antonio Conte this is beneath me and so I think there, there's definite upside with him there. Um, I think he represents like the modern way of thinking about football, which again is what we need. He's worked with young players and he's happy to bring young players through. He's worked with like modest budgets previously. So all of that stuff is really good. The cons, I don't know how, um, like his soft skills as they call it these days, like how emotional, like his emotional connection to players and to fans and to clubs. He's obviously a very... Um, He's very strong in his ambition. And so I wonder if that doesn't necessarily lend itself to being like a statesman of a club like we saw with Poch. But mm. maybe we would be the club that would make him feel that way. You know, I, d- I certainly didn't know that about Poch, bearing in mind he'd been at a couple of different clubs before he joined us. He finally gets to Spurs and suddenly he finds a home. Wonder if that could be the same. Um, and also, look, I think there's a fair amount of... If you're 35 or whatever he is and you've got to this point in your career this quickly you can't help but have a massive ego like you you must have and so i do worry that like if he doesn't learn the lesson from munich if he isn't humbled by that experience if he does think oh no it's them not me that this could potentially be a like a really bad um outcome i don't think that's the case but that is definitely a potential so on balance i think there's more pros than cons and I just think from uh, all the things I moaned about Conte for, he is almost, from a footballing perspective, the complete opposite. Mm. And that's what I want in a manager. I want someone who's going to let the players off the leash in a structured way that makes it exciting and that you know our brand of football is all at attack. That That is our brand of football. That is what, to me, is what Spurs has always been. Right? It's been like absolutely insane attacking players, like uh, creative geniuses, flair players, you put that into a like a system that's designed to do that and you add in the likes of Harry Kane into that. And suddenly it's like, wow, we could be like, you know, we could be really special if you sprinkle in the right 
type of player, not even, again, big names, unlike a Conte and a Jose who just need the biggest names, you just give them the right type of players, he could do something quite exciting on, on the budgets that we have available. And that, to me, is is really exciting. Yeah, it, it, it's of the sort of options that are that have been thrown our way, other than Pochettino, because it sounds like we're just not considering that at all. Yeah. Um, it's the one that does interest me the most, Nagelsmann. Yeah. For basically all the reasons you say there, I do just have that, you know, you're already seeing kind of the, you know, especially like certain circles of the German press. I think in a way they kind of take it as in like, because he's like the, the golden child of German football, right? You know, it's not really worked out of Bayern, but he's still, the, the lad on Fighting Cock the other day was saying, yeah, he's still seen as kind of like, the future of German football kind of thing, Nagelsmann. Yeah. And I think there's a, there's an element from them that seems to be Tottenham's beneath him. But I just, I don't buy it because like you say, to me, we are actually literally the perfect club for him. We really yeah. are. Because we, for everything that we've said here and for everything that all the other sort of fan bases like to say about us, we are still a big club. And people... There's, you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube, right? We've we've arrived at a place now where we are, with this massive stadium, we have consistently qualified for the Champions League, pretty much, in in a league like the Premier League as well. You know, like the thing that irritates me a lot about kind of you know when we had like sporting fans and stuff like that, giving those all the what have you ever won and all this type of stuff, like. See, see how you lot are doing the Premier League, lads. Yeah, like exactly. genuinely, see how often you'd finish in the top four. Like, and I just, it does. I've, I've got this real kind of like. I normally let it wash over me, but I think I've just been a bit ground down by this constant and overwhelming narrative of Tottenham. Tottenham are shit. Tottenham are totally shit. From from like not Tottenham fans, from everyone else. That it's just kind of like we get a lot of things wrong, and there's a lot of things going wrong at the moment. There's there's a lot to kind of like look at Spurs and kind of have a laugh about, but also, like, look, you know, I don't think everything needs to be kind of a, a tit for tat kind of thing. But at the moment, like, the focus is fully on Spurs and lol Spurs, lol this, lol that. What in an age of kind of blood money of kind of betting yeah. corruption of fucking rapist football has been championed by everybody and still it's yeah Tottenham are the biggest fucking abomination in this sport fucking give over man do you know what I mean and like on so on the Nagelsmann point I think just like we're we're the perfect club for him I, I think he'd galvanise support yeah we might have those issues we might be kicking stuff might be kicking the can down the road but ultimately you know like we say we can't force Enid to sell we can't force Daniel Levy to sell so we might as well fucking enjoy it um, we might as well try it our best to enjoy the team that we are never going to fall out of love with. Like you say, it might it will become less pointed if we did go back to being a mid-table team again. I'm sure it probably in some ways would be a lot more enjoyable. We wouldn't have that constant anxiety of every yep. point meaning something. You know, it would be more about like, oh God, well, I suppose we better go to the ground then after you, you know, if you're having a good chat with your mate. We've all had that feeling, right? You know, yeah. especially back in the day a, a bit a bit more when it would be like, you know, you're all having a few pints and stuff and you're actually like, don't really actually want to go to the ground. I'm having a good time here, <laughs> you know, in the pub, having a good <laughs> chat with everyone. Like, this is, this is nice. Um, and maybe football will just go back to, it won't go back to this raw kind of, 
whatever. But then it's almost like, what, am I hoping for Tottenham to not be in the mix? No, of course I'm not. So it's it's just there's a lot of dichotomies flying around the place at the moment, mate. It makes it very hard to kind of wrap your nut around exactly what the direction should be and what we should be really wanting. So maybe maybe the bare bones of this is we just need to focus on when Tottenham win a game, that's good and that's fun and that's 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 what matters the most, you know? Yeah. One hundred percent. And going back to what you were saying just quickly, I think actually the question you asked me earlier about like why do we feel this pressure, why do we feel so upset and so desperate? It's because we're doing well, right, in a very sick way. When we were mid table and there wasn't the expectation, there was so much less stress and feeling and the reason that we feel like that and the reason that we're in the media so much is because we are doing well and we are a big deal and we are in people's minds. The whole living rent free thing is true. We're playing on people's minds because we're representing coming from that mid-table position and sort of being a bit of a sleeping giant and getting to the point where we're now, you know, at a we have an opportunity to actually upset the apple cart and people don't like that. And, you know, it's that classic thing of like, you know, it's it's great to be loved um, and you usually you're hated because you're doing well. The worst thing is when, like, no one is talking about you. Well, everyone is talking about us, right, wrongly or rightly. And that's because we're doing a lot of things badly, but we're also doing a lot of things right, and people don't like that. And I think going forward, if we end up with Nagelsmann and we're playing attacking football, and it is Harry Kane's last season, fuck me, he's going to score a lot of goals, and that's going to be a lot of fun. And in the moment, we can only enjoy what we can enjoy. So, like, just... Let's just try and de-stress ourselves and just take each little game as it comes and hopefully we score loads of goals and we have loads of fun and we go from there. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.